This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to episode 200 of the Grace Enough podcast. Today on the show, I am celebrating 200 episodes recorded, edited, produced, and published during the last almost four years. And while many relationships have been forged along the way, the creation of the show, week in and week out, has been a solo job. I do want to thank God for fellow sisters and brothers in Christ who have encouraged me, prayed for me, supported me, and faithfully listened to the show during this journey. Honestly, there have been aspects of this ministry that have far exceeded my expectations. And there have been aspects where my expectations have not been met. I am sure many of you can relate. It may sound cliche, But sitting where I am right now, I can say God has used both to increase my dependence on Him and to mature me as I seek to follow Him. I hope you can say the same for where your expectations have been exceeded and unmet. To celebrate this 200th episode, I invited my friend and host of the Untangled Faith podcast, Amy Fritz, on the show to help me answer a few questions Grace Enough listeners have submitted. In answering those questions, I hope it gives you a little peek behind the curtain of Grace Enough. Before we begin, if you are a longtime listener of the show, or if you've benefited from the conversations I share here, will you consider partnering with me financially? You can give a one-time gift or sign up to be a monthly supporter for as little as $2 a month. Visit graceenoughpodcast.com slash support. And thank you. Every dollar goes back to producing the show. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast, Amber. Oh, thank you, Amy, for having me on my own show. The 200th episode. It's going to be so much fun. I actually feel very honored that you invited me to interview you. Well, it's great because when I listen to you interview people, you're always engaging and now you're my friend and I feel like I can trust you. So it's perfect. (laughs) Well, I did send you some questions ahead of time, so you don't have to be too nervous. I could do like the Barbara (laughs) Walters or Diane Sawyer thing where they like (laughs) try to make you cry or catch you off. You know, <laughs> listen, Barbara Walters, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, my goodness. Yeah. She just rips your heart out, man. <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to try not to make you cry. You got some interesting questions from some listeners and I had some questions that I wanted to ask you too. Yeah. So I think it's fun. And it, it's, it's also interesting. You just never know who is going to respond and say, I want to know something. I know it's true. Yeah. It's true. I mean, yeah. I always, and I know you understand this as a podcaster, you're like, I just want more feedback because you just don't get that much feedback as a podcaster because it's not like you're in front of a live audience. I mean, there's just not a whole lot of back and forth. And so 
I was thankful for the number of questions I got. It's scary though. I think it's scary to ask for feedback. Oh, it is. <laughs> it, like, well, what if they ask me something <laughs> I don't want to answer? Or what if they say something that I feel like gutted? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh. And I'm not very good with negative feedback. So if you have something <laughs> mean to say, keep it to yourself. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll, we'll send it to your um, board of directors. Do you have a board of directors we could send it to? I don't. <laughs> your I mean, you're so smart. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please send it to Sam. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One of your listeners submitted this question, and this is from Michelle. She wanted to know, have all of your guests been eager to be interviewed? That's a great question. I thought that was interesting because, you know, I, this is 200. So, I mean, I haven't interviewed 200 people, but it's been close. It's probably been 197. I mean, I've probably only done a few episodes where it's been just me or me and my husband. Yeah. And I don't even know how to qu- like quantify that eager. I would say the majority of people are thrilled to be interviewed because they yeah. usually are passionate about the topic they're discussing or they have a story that they really feel like the Lord has asked them to use this story to proclaim his message in some way, or they have a book or something they're trying to get out. So I would say, yes, I mean, the majority of people are eager. Now, there are those people that you're just, they're just checking the box. You're just one of 15 million interviews. Interesting. I'm just checking the box because in 30 minutes, I have another interview. And you know what? I doubt that's how they started either. You know, I mean, yeah. it it does become a job for some people. And so they're having to say no a lot because they can't meet everyone's expectation. Yeah. If they have been in the business for a long time, they have had a lot of books out and everybody wants to interview them. That's right. I bet it's harder for them to keep that energy up, oh, you know, especially I if they're launching a book and they're like, getting close to that finish line of all of the gauntlet of interviews they're doing. That's right. I think it's probably hard to keep engaged in it and not be like, did I say this before? Yeah. <laughs> or did I already answer this too? I don't know. That's why I enjoy actually interviewing someone if it's book related long after the book has actually come out long, meaning like six months or something, yeah. because some of the stress of trying to launch it is gone. And they're just a little bit more relaxed. They've gotten some feedback. They're able to breathe again. So Amber, I would that prefer that. Brilliant. And also if somebody is a podcaster and they're like wanting people to pay attention to their conversations, I would say sometimes you want, you feel eager to be in there right with the book launch, but you know what? They're also talking to so many other people and they're mm-hmm. sharing so many podcasts that they're on you might get lost in that shuffle yes. of like, people are like, well, I want to listen to Lisa Turkhurst, but she's being interviewed by five people. So I'm going to choose this one person yeah. to listen to. And, but if you do wait six months, it's a fresh conversation. Yes. Amber, you're a genius. Well, thank you. Amy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this fits well with the question that Belinda sent. How do you find such great guests? Oh, well, thank well, you, Belinda, because she I, had me on the on the podcast. She's probably talking about me, right? That's <laughs> right. Amy, you are a great guest. It's a good question. And thank you for saying that I have great guests because I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to researching things I'm interested in. And I'm also kind of a nerd when it comes to paying attention to what other people are interested in. And so I think when it comes to having great guests, I just 
am constantly paying attention to what's going on. For example, I was talking to Amy last week and I'm like, you know what? I get on every publisher's um, website right uh, before their next season's book. Um, what am I trying to say? What's the catalog? The catalog. Yeah, That's what it is. Yeah, the catalog of things that are coming up in the, the winter and the spring yes. in the summer. And so right now, summer books, all these publishers are telling you what's coming out in the summer. So I'll just go to all their sites. Some of them will send you a paper catalog and just start looking through who's got a book coming out. What, what are the topics that seem to be kind of going across all publishers? And I just start jotting that stuff down considering if there's a series I'd like to do, if there's someone I'd like to reach out to. And then, yeah, just start reaching out and seeing if any of those people want to be on the show, or maybe it's a topic that's coming up. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to research who's talking about that. I mean, and I pay attention a lot to what have they written? What's their online persona? Because I don't want to have people I don't, I'm okay with disagreeing with people. Yeah. But I don't want to have someone on my show that we have nothing in common. Like that's not going to achieve anything, <laughs> yes, right? Right, so, right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I do it. It's a little more complicated than that, but not not a lot, yeah. not a lot. I think that that kind of pulls the per the curtain back on like it's not really a mystery. Mm -mm. And one of the secrets is people that are passionate about something, interested about something, and then they are eager to talk about it. And yeah. they're ridiculously easy to find on social media yes. one way or another. Yeah, they, they really are. And you realize like, wow, that, that world's a lot smaller than you ever thought it was. Mm -hmm. but it just takes a little bit of time to realize that and to not be afraid to just get the no. Yeah. Once I got over getting the no, it was all over. I was like, okay, well, whatever. I mean, it's a no. Yeah. I didn't ask you this before, but like, does it feel bad if somebody turns you down? It did early on. It didn't feel bad necessarily. It was disappointing. Like, okay. oh man, you know, come on. Now, no, because I I think I realize more and more, most of the people who say no, they have some, they have a valid reason for saying no. It's not necessarily that you're just the small guy and they don't have time for you. Now it might be, but it's usually because they're just overbooked. It's not their priority right now to be on shows, things like that. So don't take it personally. No. Good word. Um, this is one thing that I initially wanted to ask you and I actually submitted it through your Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Even I have like 12 ways that I communicate with Amber, by the way. And she never knows if I'm going to box her, <laughs> email her or send her a message on Instagram. That's true. Um, so yeah, the question that I first asked was, what have you learned about yourself through being a podcaster? 200 episodes. I mean, I think that I, I've definitely learned that I am a committed person. And I think sometimes I think before I could really beat myself up about, oh, you let the ball drop on that or, you know, you didn't follow through on that. And now I look and I'm like, no, you know, I've been doing this gig for four years now. Like you, you are a committed person. You're a loyal person. Um, I've learned a lot more about how to think the best about people, which I did. I mean, I am a grumbler by nature. We all kind of <laughs> are, but some struggle with it more. And I am yes. just a person who is, I, I, am, I have a critical spirit. And so I've learned a lot to just listen and that I'm committed person. And also that I actually think that I'm better at conversing with people than I thought that I really was. Wow. Have you changed your mind on anything? On Not like that my, you have to my say. views? Yeah. Oh. Or softened? 
Absolutely. Or had your world, like, maybe you just have a bigger understanding of something. Yeah. And I mean, I think podcasting is, and this will kind of go along probably with another question you asked, but I think podcasting has opened my eyes and it's been one of the greatest tools that God has used to sanctify me, make me more like him because I am always coming in contact with people now who their experience is most of the time very different from mine, but they still have a passion for Jesus in some form, whether that's yeah. uber conservative or uber li liberal yeah, and all the gray area in between. And so I've just learned that sometimes it's has to do with where did you grow up? What church did you attend? Were you with a Christian family? Were you not? Did yeah. you get, were you fostered? Were you in a divorce? There's all these yeah. things. What part of the world did you grow up in? I mean, has suicide been a part of your family story? Has alcoholism, you yeah. know, did you have sex before marriage? Did you not? All of that impacts our view of God, our view of scripture and how we process it. And so it's really grown my empathy to say my way is not necessarily the right way. And what people teach from stage is not necessarily the only way you can interpret scripture. Oh, that's good. Yes. So I'm interviewing Tracy Rhodes this week. And I think that's going to go so much along with what she said. One of the things she said in her recent book is like, if you're feeling discouraged, even mm. something connected to your church or your faith is just to look at the, how wide Mm -hmm. the, the body of believers is. Yeah. And maybe, you know, look beyond the denomination that you're in and the spiritual practices that are across the spectrum that are just really beautiful, that maybe we need to press pause on one way of doing it and do something new and fresh that yeah. doesn't have the baggage for us or doesn't have the autopilot that we do because we right. get so familiar with something. Yeah. Like you said, so this next question does go along with like kind of what we said. So this is from Sarah and mm. she wants to know, how do you handle when you're talking to someone and they say something that you don't necessarily agree with? Mm -hmm. How do you handle it? So I'm going to ask, I don't, Sarah said that, but I'm going to add to it. Like in the moment, how do you handle it? Mm -hmm. And then in the editing room, how do you handle it? You stinker. Cause you know, <laughs> well, let's see. I mull it over in my head for days and days. And I vox Amy over and over again going, what do I know? Not just what do I do, but it's a processing thing. I yeah. do it with my husband as well. Um, before I go into that, I do want to say like with our previous question, I, I'm not, we're not saying that just because all of a sudden you disagree with somebody on stage, you should just get up and walk out of your church. Now you, maybe you should walk out of your right. church, right? Right. but like, there are so many different ways to follow Jesus. And there are some core tenets of what we believe that the majority of us actually agree on. So yeah. let's quit arguing over whether or not we should be dunked in baptism or we shouldn't, or yeah, yeah, <laughs> whether or not we kneel to pray during church or we don't. So I just want to say, so that, that's but... not like a disqualifier. You won't be like, oh, right. oops, I accidentally got Amy on here and she believes in like, infant baptism and I don't. And like what happens if someone finds out like that's not something you're going to be worried about. Right. Or if you, you know, if you believe that you're actually partaking of the body of Christ when you take communion and I just think it's a representation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you are or are not a Christian. It just doesn't. But what if it's something different? Like 
like a theological thing that you just feel like you wouldn't have necessarily brought up, but it somehow brought, came into the conversation and you're not really with them. It's not mm -hmm. that you think they aren't believers, but you're not sure how it would land with your audience. If it yes. might confuse them, how do you handle that sort of thing? The first thing that I try to do is ask more clarifying questions to push a little bit further to see like, are we true? Do I truly not agree with this? Or is this something where maybe the nuance of communication is just different? Because I've become far less conservative than I used to be in my beliefs, in my understanding of the word of God, but I'm still not all the way to the other end, right? I feel like yeah. I'm in the middle. And so the first thing I'll do, <laughs> try not to show it on my face that I disagree yeah. with them. Yeah. Ask clarifying questions and then try to gently insert something that may show where I stand on the situation without just being like, well, I totally disagree with you. Oh, um, I think this is valuable because it's a, it's a skill that we need in real life too. So mm -hmm. to see somebody model for us, what's, what it's like to have a conversation with somebody that's respectful and that you value what they say and still say, I don't know, tell yeah. me more about that. I'm not sure I'm exactly where you're at, but I want to hear right. how you got there. Yeah. Well, and then in the after with the editing, I early on just said, I'm not going to take out what people say. Um, now I'll take out things if they repeat themselves. If we totally get off topic, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm not going to just take something out because I disagree with them. And so I've put some things out there that I felt a little cringeworthy about, not because they were heretical. Mm -hmm. That's a different story. That's not what I'm talking about. But maybe it's just an issue that I'm like, oh, that's not how I would have said it. So I try in the beginning, in my intros to maybe preface that by saying, you know, everything that we share here doesn't represent everything that I believe, but I invite people on the show who I want to have the conversation about the topic. I've also tried to get better about sometimes putting things in the episode that just kind of describes a little bit more of how I stand on things. And then you know what, Amy, sometimes I don't do anything. Yeah. And, that's and you hard. trust, just yeah. have to trust that it's going to be okay. Have you had anybody push back and say, I don't, I used to listen to you, Amber, but you had Amy on and she said this thing and like, you have gone off the deep end. I can't trust you anymore. I haven't. I have <laughs> wondered at times though. And that's the thing about podcasting. I don't think someone would tell me. Mm. I don't. I mean, I, and so if that's you. <laughs> And you're listening right now, tell me, but I've also grown to understand. And I hope more people who listen to my show, to your show, to whoever's show grow to a point of realizing that even just listening to things that maybe we agree with 70%, 60% of what they're putting out there, then it's still worth listening to. Yeah. Because we all need to be stretched a little bit. We all need to be challenged a little bit in our beliefs to actually say, do we still believe that? Yeah. Because if you're not, you, you've got to be at work and other places. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's That's kind of where us. I stand it's, on that. It, it, I think it helps keep us out of echo chambers. Absolutely. It's, it's a good thing. It's a good well, thing. and I don't know about you because you're, you haven't been, you're 58 episodes in. Yeah. Something like that. It's been like a year and a half ish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are episodes that I've put out that, I mean, I probably wouldn't do now. 
right? Mm -hmm. Because we all, and that's just, again, our process of Episode 200, Amber, is not the same Amber of (laughs) episode 20. That's right. (laughs) Especially we've all lived through a pandemic. Holy cow. Like that's crazy. I've heard pastors say the reason why, one reason why you can't find some of the old sermons I preached from like a decade ago is because I don't agree with myself anymore. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's true. You're like, oh, I don't feel that that way anymore. (laughs) I cringe at myself and we just put that in the vault and- that's right. Lock it away. Maybe it's that's fine. what I need to do. <laughs> that, that could be for your special, uh, a special bonus edition. If it's people so want to pay extra, they can see the old version of Amber. Oh gosh. I was thinking it would be really funny to do like a mystery science theater version edition of our old episodes oh, my where gosh. we record ourselves listening and reacting. Oh, that, that could be <laughs> <heckling> really <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> Well, because somebody said, oh, every time I start listening to a podcast, I always go back to episode one. And I was like, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I have a you might not keep listening. <laughs> start at episode 100. And you're like, well, there's 199 <laughs> other episodes. It's going to take you a long time. It's Those not as timely. first 40 were rough. <laughs> this episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Want to do something different with your family for Advent this year? Sarah Keeling has created a simple, fun, and free Advent study called Family Christmas in the Psalms, which focuses on the attributes of God in the Advent candle themes, hope, faith, joy, peace, and light. There are only five lessons, and each one includes a prayer guide to teach your family how to pray the Psalms. It also includes questions and activities for your kids, a podcast prayer episode, and a short teaching video to help you connect the verses with Jesus. You can easily add this study to your weekly Advent candle lighting time, Jump in later if you miss a week and modify the lessons to work best for your family. Download Family Christmas in the Psalms for free at sarah-keeling.com slash Christmas. That's Sarah with an H dash K-E-E-L-I-N-G dot com slash Christmas. And P.S. Advent starts November 27th this year. Okay. So Jennifer, who said, what are your tips for time management with homeschool and kids podcasting? 
how do you do all the things? Tell us you're the wonder woman now, right? Doing Mm -mm. everything. Well, first of all, I do not do all the things. That's the first thing. Nobody does all the things. No matter what you see on social media, nobody does all the things. So first of all, we all have to rid our minds of thinking that anybody does all the things. My kids are 12, 10, and 7. Sorry, Levi, I just had a birthday this weekend. So um, I only partially homeschool. So I only have kids home three days a week. Okay. And that is one thing that I think it can look like I'm the one choosing everything they're doing every day. I have to be the one telling them what to do. No, I have a lesson plan that I follow. My sixth grade or my seventh grader is fully independent. All I do is just check his work. Yeah. My 10 year old, I have to help with a few things and I completely school my little guy, but literally, and Amy, you know, this with homeschooling first grade, that dude's done in two hours. Like it is not an all day affair. There is not a lot to do. That's right. And once they can read. I'm telling you it's, it's magic. Yes. And he, he's getting there, but he's the one that takes the most time. So I think sometimes we get this view of like homeschooling is just, you're all in eight hours a day with all your kids. And some days are like that, but most days are not like that. My other tip is like my kids help with chores. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we just have daily chores and everybody has to pitch in because I like a clean house, but I've let it go a lot compared to pre-homeschooling. And so I like the idea of a clean house more than actually cleaning. Mm, well, I, my husband actually says I should be a professional house cleaner because I actually like to do it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so maybe that's my tip. If you don't have the personality that enjoys cleaning, I mean, <laughs> oops, that's an X. Eh, like, I don't know. <laughs> outsource. If you know, if you can outsource some things, it's but true. you can't outsource parenting, right? You're right. You can't outsource that. You're right. And I mean, like meal planning helps for me. I am a meal planner and now it's not even hard, right? I've been doing it so long that, I mean, I just know on Sunday I put in my order and that's going to be our food for the week. And so that has just become a habit. Here's my other biggest tip. My kids are not in 50 million things. They're just not. They do. They're allowed to do one activity. We do piano as well, but we're just not running all year round from one sport to the next. Now, if your child loves athletics and all that, that's great. That's just not our life. So that leaves a lot more margin, right? And then, I mean, my husband's incredibly helpful. He supports me. I mean, and not everybody has that. So there is a a bit of privilege to being able to do this, having having some time, having somebody that, you know, and when it comes to podcasting, it, it doesn't pay, it doesn't, it's not a lucrative thing. No. Um, most people don't make money. Most people hardly cover their costs of podcasting. Right. And so oftentimes they have another job that they have that brings in money or someone else in their family mm-hmm. is. And so to be transparent, there just aren't very many people that are paying their bills by podcasting. It's a thing that people do as a tool for something else or just because they love it. Uh, Like, so what is your podcast production schedule? Like how many hours a week do you like set aside certain days and times? Well, and this is where it's great that you ask a question like that for Jen as well. I mean, I'm an organized person when it comes to setting up all my interviews and like that process, but people ask me all the time, how many hours a week is it? And I'm like, I mean, I honestly just do not know. I would say I spend anywhere from 10 hours minimum to 20 hours a week. It all depends, right? But I do know I can only schedule interviews on Monday and Wednesday because that's when my kids are in school. 
I do have the, you know, I edit all my episodes usually on Thursday and Friday. Like that's just when they get edited. I record intro and outros on Sunday, show notes on Monday night. And so now my kids kind of even know this schedule. So Monday night, like you kind of just need to leave mommy alone because she has stuff to get done um, after dinner and all of that. And so I don't know. I mean, I think once you oh, I just... love though, I see though that you're doing the uninterruptible things when your kids are in school, not yeah. at home. Yeah. And that hasn't always even been the case. Like we, you and I both, we started podcasting during COVID. Well, I started right before COVID. You started during COVID, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even during that time, it was like, okay, my, my kids knew I have an interview at one, they were home. That's going to be your showtime. That's going to be the time that you get to sit and watch TV. And Yay! so my kids, yeah, Mom has that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. And so they don't, they don't get it. Um, they don't get to just watch TV and play video games all day. We have certain time in the morning and certain time in the evening. And so I would just say, well, we're going to hold off until 11 because I have an interview at this time. Yeah. Um, so those are just little, little things that I do, but they do kind of know if you just do it around the same time every day, your kids get pretty good at understanding. And I don't have super, super little kids, man. Listen, yeah, if you have babies, the, yeah. If you it's have, it depends on the age of your kids. If you're working around nap time, mm-hmm. ooh, that is real hard because you don't. What if your kid decides not to nap? So yeah. frustrating. Yeah, and you don't have resources to have somebody else be there as your backup in case nap doesn't happen. There's yeah, certain seasons hard. of life that it just it is easier or harder to do this sort of thing. Absolutely, and I do yeah. think family like home support. It's huge, right? I like, I mean, my husband's really is okay if I'm upstairs at night extra. There are sometimes he's not, but for the most part, he's good with that. If you're in a place where you have family nearby that's helpful, take advantage of those kinds of things. I mean, we don't yeah. have family nearby and I miss that. <laughs> I know you, you probably <laughs> yeah. do too. Yeah. Um, so here's the other question I have for you. This is something from me. I have a few questions that I was just like, Ooh, this is interesting to me. And I think it'll be interesting to others. What has been your most downloaded episode? And you know, I, I'm going to let you define what it means by most downloaded, either the most downloaded, like in the first 30 or 90 days or overall. Mm. And why do you think it was the most downloaded? This is for all, this will probably surprise you, but so episode 104 Susie Rowan, which is the Bible study fellowship executive director was on the show. And she's not the executive director now, but she was at the time. And that is still my most downloaded episode on drop day and for the first week, the first 30 days. And I know the reason why, and this speaks to the power of community, right? I did BSF for years. I was a group leader. I was the admin leader. Some of my very, very best friends in Tampa, that's how I met all of them. My kids grew up going. And then I attended VSF in Kentucky. I attended VSF here in North Carolina. So there's just this community of people that they were excited. They were super excited. And even some of the people that I served with that were older, a lot older, I've never listened to a podcast in my life, but I learned how to listen to that one. And so, so sweet. Oh, it is. And honestly, it was a joy for me to talk to Susie too, because that organization has played a foundational role in just what I originally learned about the Bible. Yeah. And really taught me a lot about how to consistently get in the word of God. And so 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome to know that that's the most downloaded. It's kind of funny to me, but it's also like, no, I mean, that is, that's just the power of community. That is really interesting. Yeah. Did you know that would be the one when you went back to look again? Is anything else even close? Mm. Is anything else close? That's like a pop quiz for you. Yeah. Cause I don't know, you know, and I've changed platforms, hosting platforms. Okay. So sometimes it's so hard to see. But I did know it would be a big one, too, because BSF shared it. Yes. They're an international, interdenominational organization. So, like, they shared it on their platform. And that, we, as we know, makes yeah. a difference. You can't, like, conjure that up. I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes people share those things. Sometimes nope. somebody shares something and everybody's like, oh, what is that? And uh -huh. yeah, so that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm it was gonna good. have to go back and listen to that episode now. <laughs> One more download of the BSF episode. Woo woo. Yep. <laughs> All right. Here's another question for you, Amber. Do you have a favorite guest that you just enjoyed so much? Oh my gosh. You know how hard this is. Yeah. Who's your like, favorite oh. child? That's what I'm asking you to do. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. So early on, one of my first favorite guests was a lady named Susan Alexander Yates. And it was episode 41. And she came on to talk about thriving and transition. And during that season in my life, I just struggled so much with transition. And it was early on in this journey. And I had a lot of things that were just feeling really hard when it came to transitions. And she's like a mom of five or six. She has like 20 some grandkids. She's older, just super down to earth. And she was just so engaging and kind and made me laugh. And, you know, sometimes like talking to older people just breathes life into yes. you. Yes. Like, tell have, me I'm going to make it. Tell me it's going to be okay. Yes. Like, yeah. I feel like when it comes to talking to older people, you kind of have the ones who breathe life into you or the ones who suck life <laughs> out because they've either done life well um, yeah. or they have like just they're miserable. Mm -hmm. And she was a absolute delight, just joy on every level, the way she still celebrates her grandkids. It was so cool. Um, and that's just a great episode. So I would recommend anyone listen to that one still. She just has good tips. Another one that I loved was Lena. Ab I never can say Lena's last name. Right? Yes. Abujamra. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I always mess it up. And here's the thing about Lena. She wrote Fractured Faith. That was um, episode 183, I think. But, you know, she has had her own questioning her faith, but she has come out on the other side stronger. And that, but that's not even the reason why I love talking to her. I just could relate to her on so many levels. She's super enthusiastic, but she is a lover of Jesus, man. And she yeah. knows the word and she serves people all over the world and she's a doctor and I don't know. I she's know. just so Her story interesting. story is fascinating <laughs> and she's spicy. I would say. Yes, Lena but not is spicy, spicy in a like, like not spicy. She's not in trying a... to be controversial. Right. No, right. it's like she is going to just say the thing she feels strongly about. Yes. And, and she does it with such yeah. conviction and she lives it out. She doesn't just talk about it. And you could just see that. I don't know. I told her, I was like, I could seriously probably sit and talk to you for like nine or 10 hours, just hearing all the things. Yeah. So I just love listening to her in Lena. person a couple of times and she's great. She's just great. Yeah. So, I mean, I, my list could go on and on, but um, Lena is definitely, she's, she's at the top. She was fun. 
I love that. You need to put links to this in the show notes so that we can find these episodes because some people maybe haven't listened to them. They'll want to go back and catch them because they missed them the first time around. Yeah. I haven't listened to that first one that you'd mentioned of your favorite. So yeah. Susan Alexander Yates. Christopher Yuan's another favorite of mine. Look, I'm like, I can go on forever. (laughs) My favorite children. Oh, see, the the thing is I'm not asking you your least favorite. (laughs) That'll be your secret that you take to the grave. Oh my gosh. It is sad. You know, we both probably have people that pop in our head and it's not the people. It just wasn't engaging. Yeah. So like I'm not asking you who, what would make interviewing somebody you go back and be like, I don't think I would interview them again robotic in nature for me. Like it felt like there wasn't much back and forth, but instead just kind of this ho-hum, I'm answering the question, but I'm not really that. Not throwing the ball back to you. Right. Yeah. And just not really, I feel like sometimes too straightforward. I I like straightforward answers, but I want to, I do want to feel like you've kind of like thought about it and it isn't something that just rolls off your tongue so easily that you're just regurgitating information. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. You want to, sometimes it comes in how you ask a question yeah. and then in how you answer it, especially if you feel like, oh, I've asked, I've asked this a million times or I've answered it a million times. Yes. What can I do to speak directly to the people that are listening to this podcast? Yeah. That, that makes it its own thing and not something they could get anywhere else it's yeah there's a there's an art to it I think oh I think and being so. fully fully present too I think part of it is just being being present mm-hmm. well and some people need to just keep being writers <laughs> they're more about <laughs> writing they're not as good at speaking and answering some people are good at knowing where their lane is and that they mm-hmm. could and that you know what I am not a good interviewer interviewee I'm, yeah. I'm just gonna post a picture online or I'm gonna write a book and it's fine Definitely. So from the beginning and even now, have you had a goal for what this podcast would accomplish or where you want it to be? Like, what's your dream for the Grace Enough podcast? I mean, I wouldn't say there's the same one from the beginning. I think from the beginning, it was so much more about like, I felt like I was a stay at home mom and that was all I had. And that's a lot. But if you're someone who is a little bit ambitious, likes to connect with people. That was kind of my dream for the show, just to be an outlet to connect more in Christian space and to share that with people who wanted to listen. Um, And and so to feel like something that was my own, that was early on. I mean, now I think my dream for the show, oh, this is hard because I want to just be totally honest. I mean, I feel like my show is a good show, Amy. Yeah, I do. And I hope that doesn't come across as prideful to people, but I feel like I put a lot of heart and soul into it. I really research my guests. I typically, I have not had very many people on that. I'm not like really into what they're talking about. Yeah. And so my dream is for other people to know how much work I put into it and that they would listen to it, you know, and that they would share it with everyone because I do want it to grow. And it's just like anything you do, you know, when I was a physical therapist, what was my goal? I wanted all my patients to get well because I helped them. Well, now I want everyone to listen because hopefully I'm helping you in some way. Um, And I know that can come across as sounding kind of prideful, but it, it really is for the glory of the Lord. It's not just to puff up myself. It's because I love it. I feel like he's gifted me in this area and I would love to see it explode. Yeah. Because you're having important conversations. Yeah. 
and that that you think are valuable for people. Otherwise, you wouldn't invest your time in right. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's tricky to have ambition. Talk about ambition as a Christian and as a woman, I think. It is. <laughs> but, it's so weird. Um, yeah, I think, though, <laughs> continuing to check in with ourselves and be like, why am I doing this? Yeah. And if you truly do believe in what you're doing, you want and you think it could help somebody you want to give them the opportunity to listen. So that makes, yeah. that makes a lot of sense for me. Do you want to write a book or do more speaking? I would love to do more speaking. I mean, I think, again, sometimes you just know. Um, I mean, I think we all know some gifts that the Lord has given us. And I have felt for a long time, and I've known for a long time, that I that God has given me a gift of communication. And I know that I'm able to use that through podcasting, but I do love speaking. Like, I love teaching His Word. Um, and it'd be great to be able to do that more. And of course, I have always wanted to write, I think, as I dig more into it and watch others and I have good friends now who put out books. I'm like, I don't know if I do want to do that. <laughs> we see the work involved in it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it is not only is it not glamorous, but you put your heart and soul into something. And then the return a lot of times is minimal. But yeah. like Lisa Whittle says, she's like, listen, if God's put a book on your heart, you, you need to know that you can't not write it to actually go ahead and write it. Otherwise you're going to be real frustrated. So I'm not there yet. That's so that's interesting because we, as podcasters, we're creating things, mm-hmm. we're putting words out in the world, but we get to do it where we don't have to wait six months, a yes. year to to do it. We get a lot more immediate. It's not, we're not doing a live show. So we're not getting responses in real time, but like within a month or two, depending on the production schedule, you're putting something together and it is out in the world. You shift it out there where writing a book, you have to wait to birth that baby. Yes. A long, a long time. And it's a lot of alone time. (laughs) Yeah. Which I like some alone time. I don't know about hours on end, just writing. Yeah. yeah. You need to yeah, write your the, book. You have to be a, in community. I did. Speaking of books, I have decided I'm going to do, gonna by the time it. this comes out, this is coming in, in out in November. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to do NaNoWriMo just to do a really bad draft and get it out there. Do Why it. not? What's the worst that can Look happen? Look at that, girl. I'll be able to edit it once the words are out there. I can't edit anything if there's no words. It's true. On the page. So. This is going to be my kick in the rear to put some words on a page and we'll see what happens. Do it. All right. What's your favorite part, least favorite parts of this whole podcasting production journey? My favorite part is definitely uh, the interviewing. Yeah. I just love putting the questions together. I love the, when I have a guest that I can go back and forth with a little without feeling like I'm taking over. Yeah. It's just so fun. It's just so fun. Like you learn so much. It's incredible. It's like going and opening up encyclopedias every day, but you don't have to do the reading. You just get to listen. Yeah. It's great. My least favorite part is the promoting, the marketing. <laughs> oh gosh. If you could outsource that, that would be your dream. Yeah. You know, I say that though, Amy, and then I'm like, this is where I have control issues, right? Well, but I mean, then how do you interact with people? And you know what I mean? I don't know what I out. Yeah. What part of the marketing, like, is it the creating things to share? That's hard. Like 
creating Instagram graphics or trying to figure out what the right way to do things. And maybe I, that's it. It's figuring out the right, right way to do things and then actually being able to consistently do that. The creating of the things is what I like. Yeah. It's the, do you buy ads? Do you not buy ads? Do you post on every social media? Does that even matter? Do you write an email every week? Do you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you have listened at all to Emily P. Freeman, mm -hmm. she has several times mentioned about the maker and the manager schedule. And I think this will resonate with anybody that's a creator that is sort of their own boss and has to do all the things, um, is that there are any number of things that are involved in putting out a podcast. Some of it yeah. involves deep work where you have to really get in and you need like a long landing strip and a long takeoff to like get in your groove and to get something quality put together. But there's also the, I need to figure out when to put out an email and how to do an e email sequence. <laughs> and I need to know, like, I need to learn some technical things. I need to edit the thing. Yep. Um, I need to do future planning. I need to talk to this person about scheduling. And then I need to have like a meaningful, deep conversation with somebody. How do, How you, do you do all attention? of Have you found a perfect way? Yeah, I have not found a perfect way, which is probably why the marketing part of it, I don't like. I will say, I feel like I have certain times of the day though, where it's like, okay, this is all my editing. You know, I don't have a creative uh, bit of energy in me right now. So the only right. thing I need to do are the things that are totally black and white. Go edit the show. You know, you know how to do that. Don't learn a new skill right now. Like you have no energy for that at all. And then I know that I'm really, really good in the mornings. Okay. And so the mornings is when sometimes I can just sit down and I've been thinking about an email for three weeks and I can't get it out. But if I sit down in the morning, it'll just like flow. So for me, it's sometimes the time of day, the stress level. I don't know about you, but I feel like some of my, I do some of my best making or creating, as Emily would say, when I'm like on walks and runs. Mm. So I've learned to do like voice to text on my phone because all these things are running through my head and then you walk through the door and it's just silent. Yeah. <laughs> you capture it. You figure out a way to capture it in that's the right. moment. So that's really good. I yeah, love yeah, that. Yeah. There's all, there's so much stuff. I know I've thrown some questions at you that I You're didn't fine. tell you I was going to ask. And this is a hard one. I know this one's a hard for hard ones for you. And for a lot of us, like who is your listener when you are creating the show? Do you have a certain picture in mind of who they are? And is that who's listening? Have you figured out like, who is your listener? Tell me about her. Her name is Lucy. Um, what people need to know is that that if you're just a normal listener to this show, this is exactly what creators do. We have to have a target audience. So yeah. while you may not fit directly in this little box, in my head, I want to think of this person as I'm creating, because if I think about her, then I'm more willing to actually address issues that she has. So yeah. with that said. But you love your, I, this is you yes. the kind of person that you love. Yes. And oftentimes they're very similar to the person who's creating, right? So yeah. mine is a woman. She, uh, her name is Lucy. Of course, this woman is 47 years old, but my ideal listener is somewhere late thirties, uh, mid fifties and loves Jesus, 
definitely is in a season of life where you're kind of getting pulled in all different directions because you have kids all over the place. You might even have young grandkids, but you've still got some in school and you love to serve the local church. You have leadership skills, but you're a little bit burned out and you certainly don't want surfacy anymore. Like mm. surfacy is just not fun anymore. You're tired of that. You're ready to dig a little bit deeper, not just into God's word, but in people's experiences. Um, and so you're just looking for that and you enjoy listening to podcasts, listening to audiobooks, um, listening to the word, because that is a way in your busy season of life that you can actually take more in and process it. That's lovely. That's my girl. You just described me. See? I listen to your podcast and my name is not Lucy, <laughs> although I do like the name Lucy. I think of um, while you're sleeping when you say Lucy, Aww. although while you're sleeping is an old movie now. Well, let's just say that someone in their forties and fifties would know all about while you're sleeping. Yes. <laughs> yes. Love it so much. Uh, Thank you for letting me interview at you, Amber. This has oh been so much Thank fun. You. So when I get to 200 episodes, will you come on my show? And Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Let's do it. Thank you so much for celebrating with me by listening. I would be grateful to hear from you. Click over to Instagram or Facebook and send me a message at Grace Enough Podcast underscore Amber. Also, don't forget all episode links we mentioned in today's conversation can be found in the show notes. Go to graceenoughpodcast.com slash 200. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.